auto dealers. Are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, July 12th, 2022. I'm your host, Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, hundreds of possible job cuts at Rivian. CDK Global CEO Brian Krasanich steps down. And Hyundai plans its first South Korean EV factory. Plus, a look at the labor situation at LA and Long Beach ports and how the auto industry should prepare for a possible strike. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Rivian is planning hundreds of job cuts in areas where the electric vehicle maker has grown too quickly. People familiar with the matter told Bloomberg that the cuts will focus on non-manufacturing roles, including teams with duplicate functions. The actions could be announced in the coming weeks. Rivian has more than 14,000 employees. These cuts could represent an overall reduction of around 5%. Sources say the job cuts are still in the planning stage and nothing has been decided. CDK Global CEO Brian Krasanich has resigned from the company. That's following the completion of its sale last week to investment firm Brookfield Business Partners. The dealership technology giant said in a regulatory filing that former CEO Brian McDonald took over as acting CEO as of Monday. McDonald led the company from January 2016 to November 2018. The CEO switch is among several executive-level changes CDK disclosed Tuesday in the filing. The company's sale to Brookfield Business Partners last week was valued at about $8.7 billion. CDK's stock is no longer publicly traded. Hyundai Motor will build a dedicated electric vehicle factory in South Korea. This will become the automaker's first automobile plant to open in its home country in almost three decades. Hyundai is currently expanding its EV lineup to include the Ionic 6, which will debut in Europe in the second half, and the Ionic 7, which is projected to reach the market in 2024. Hyundai's unionized workers in South Korea voted this month for a possible strike for the first time in four years over demands for higher wages. They were also angry at management for prioritizing investment outside the country, such as in the United States. Production at the new EV plant is due to begin by 2025. And another group is weighing in against the Federal Trade Commission's proposed rule to crack down on certain dealership practices. The National Independent Automobile Dealers Association says the FTC's proposed new advertising and finance and insurance regulations would hurt consumers and make vehicles more expensive. The trade group estimates that compliance would cost at least $1.4 billion during the next decade. It says many of the issues the FTC sought to address fall under existing regulations. The NIADA represents the nation's licensed used vehicle dealerships and has 16,000 dealership members. The FTC says it's received more than 100,000 complaints each of the past three years related to vehicle sales, service, rentals, leasing, warranties, and transactions. It said complaints about car deals are regularly in the top 10 complaint categories tracked by the agency. 
And those are today's headlines. Jamie, we started out talking about job cuts at Rivian, maybe hundreds of them. Is this a sign that the company may be in trouble? Not necessarily. You sometimes see startups, especially when they get to a certain size, need to make some cutbacks as they try to focus on losing less money, possibly even breaking even. We saw this a lot with Tesla in its early growth phase uh, when it still had a very small lineup and would get through with a project such as you know design of the Model X or something. And then uh, Elon Musk would eliminate a lot of the people in that division to try to save money and make it through to the start of production when, when revenue would start coming in. So it seems like we're maybe seeing a little bit of similar behavior from Rivian. Interesting. Coming up next, as if we haven't seen enough uncertainty around global supply chains, now there's concern about a possible worker strike at West Coast ports. How should automakers, suppliers, and dealers prepare? We're here from someone who's keeping a close eye on all of it, next on Daily Drive. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online. eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory, sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach have seen huge backups in the past two years, further straining global supply chains. Now, just as it seems those backups are starting to ease a bit, dock workers' labor contract has expired and there's no deal in sight. I recently got a chance to talk with Mirko Wojcik of Everstream Analytics, which offers risk analytics and predictive insights on global supply chains. We talked about the situation on the West Coast and what it all means for the auto industry. I reached him in Brussels. Mirko Wojcik, welcome to Daily Drive. Hi, happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, we're glad, glad to have you. So tell us about the contract negotiations on the West Coast U.S. ports. Where do they stand right now? That's a good question. So right now, basically, the deadline has passed, right? Everyone uh, since the start of the year, or maybe even... Q4 last year, everyone was looking towards that that deadline when the you know the overall labor agreement would expire July 1st. So obviously we're now at the end of the second week of, of that expiration deadline, and nothing has happened. Right, so there was a lot of speculation about what could happen, a lot of different scenario planning that we also did with our customers. 
about what to expect, you know, come July. And and so far it's you know, more or less smooth sailing on, on the on the Wessel side. Talks are very secretive, so there's not a lot of uh, leaks so far. There has been an unprecedented move by both sides, uh, the the employers and the obviously the dock workers to sort of come out and officially state that they're you know officially working towards an agreement and not planning on any kind of you know lockout or, or strike action from from either side to ensure the you know to sort of calm everyone's minds and mm -hmm. ensure like smooth operation. So so far so good. Nothing really happened, but it's you know it's going to be the biggest question of where we go from here because obviously they haven't reached an agreement yet. So it's not like um, the issues have sort of disappeared. Right, right. I suppose it's it's a positive sign that they're still talking and still working. Uh, but what, where do you see it likely going? What kinds of scenarios are you looking at in terms of the risk of a work stoppage or a slowdown or a settlement? Yeah, that's a good good question. So at this point, almost two weeks past the deadline, we're looking still towards the you know either no strike or partial strike option. Rather, we tend to to sort of emphasize the the partial strike option because obviously there the range of scenarios is a little bit bigger to sort of say what type of partial strike could be look at the, the dock workers would have a lot of uh, sort of options at their hand you know, it could be a, a similar strike action to 2014 2015 but it could also be a you know a sort of a skimmed down version of you know, just uh maybe you know no overtime work on the weekends and, and so on so they obviously have a lot of options there if they want to put a little bit more pressure on the other side during the negotiations and given the contentiousness i guess of the topic especially automation i think we're going to talk about this um you, you can't really see how the employers will settle for anything less than, than a substantial sort of push towards automation. And so we still believe that at this point, even though both sides have sort of emphasized they want to keep uh, supply chains running, the, the partial strike in, in whatever form uh, is still the most likely to happen at one point. Okay. Yeah. I definitely want to talk more about automation, but first for our automotive audience, how should manufacturers, suppliers, and even dealers who are awaiting, you know, finished vehicles to ship over from, you know, Japan and Korea, how should they be preparing and planning through these scenarios? Is there anything they can do? <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe plan for more imports from Europe, mm. other parts, but then eventually they would have to go through the East Coast as well, which is not looking too, too bright at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the, I think in general, like the automotive industry, they obviously rely heavily on, on global supply chains, right? So, I mean, Los Angeles, Long Beach, as, as probably the industry knows, account for 40% of U.S. imports from Asia. And, and obviously the auto component parts are, are the, the second biggest input type of products at, at the port. There have been more than 300,000 containers shipped last year. So there's a lot of uh, potential for, you know, lower cost production and then lower cost sales, obviously, in, in North America. But then also the U.S. automakers in Detroit, sort of the Michigan region, they're, they're also heavily relying, not maybe so much on Los Angeles, Long Beach, but they're importing also a lot of parts uh, via Vancouver, mm -hmm. um, sort of the Canadian ports using sort of those those rail lines over there um, that we've been working with. And obviously any type of you know, lockout or strike situation in, on the U.S. part of the West Coast will then eventually trickle down to, to the Canadian side of things and also congestion there so not looking too bright i mean it's very difficult to, to sort of you know have any contingency plans i guess you know definitely for the automakers it will be to sort of you know have alternatives in place in north america so looking towards you know sort of anything that you know, critical parts either stock up supply 
of those critical parts or you know sort of see whether there is potentially another alternative um, in Canada or or Mexico that they could replace overseas parts with. Yeah, it's been so difficult for the auto industry. So many uh, logistical hurdles and supply chain uh, snags. It's uh, almost too many to count. So you mentioned automation and the importance of that. And it sounds like that's really what the crux of the negotiations are about. The wages are great. The benefits are great. It sounds like uh, the, the union is concerned that automation will take away their jobs and replace them, not just make them safer at work. What kind of gap are we trying to close in these negotiations? Are the owners trying to get to 100% automated ports or something that would eliminate 50% of these almost $200,000 a year jobs? No, I don't think so. I think, um, I mean, it's also hard to sort of gauge like what type of impact, what sort of impact the sort of automation pushes in the past have had in the US, you know, sort of in the 28, 2014 negotiations, there have been sort of incremental changes, uh, which you know didn't happen before. So there have been a lot of commission studies from both sides that have been published recently. One saying automation is, is definitely helping productivity, is also creating more jobs on the line, uh, whereas you know the, the other report would say the exact contrary. <laughs> um, what's very interesting, I think, if if you look at the the sort of the global port efficiency ranking, I think also the the latest version came out quite recently, that a lot of those ports that are in the top ten, uh, some of those are actually not at all automated. Uh, whereas you have others that you know, have a couple of automated terminals, but they don't maybe figure uh, in the top 15, top 20. So it's very hard to sort of say also what the, the benefits are immediately. Maybe that needs to be looked at over time. But um, I think anything where I think sort of the, the dock workers, I think the gap can be bridged wherever you know you will see less sort of an immediate elimination of, of jobs, but more of a, a coexistence with you know more robotic equipment on the docks. It can be used, um, you know, which which hasn't really been this uh, the case so far. Uh, automated cranes, uh, maybe semi-automated terminals. I think overall in the U.S. there is only a handful of you know, fully or semi-automated terminals so far, and there has been a lot of pushback, obviously recently, uh, from the dock workers against uh, individual ones, also on the West Coast. So I think there is a lot of uh, potential to sort of you know for that coexistence to, to to sort of grow, improve the productivity, improve the throughput, and, and sort of where everybody will win. But obviously, you would have to allow a little bit, and, and so I think that will happen eventually. And um, it's it's a matter of the concessions from the from the employer side, and, and and sort of what the dock workers will sort of put in to sort of uh, put pressure on them in terms of strike actions. So, kind of bigger picture. Before I let you go, I'm going to get a sense. I mean, it seems like we just all we hear are the ports are backed up, the ports are backed up. Maybe the the backup got a, came down a little during the China's COVID lockdown, but even if this all gets resolved tomorrow, I mean, what are we looking at for you know the last half of the year, getting you know Christmas goods in and you know getting factories back up and running fully? Is it are we still looking at constant delays, even if there's not labor strife? Yeah, that's uh, the the crystal ball question. Um, <laughs> so I think. You know, from from the data that we're seeing, and, and sort of I had a, another look today, it feels a little bit like the sort of the time before the Suez Canal closure last year, mm. where you know things were kind of calming down, rates were you know, coming back down, uh, sort of the the sort of door to so factory to to port shipments delay was was coming down, uh, rates were coming down, capacity was going. I mean, the on-time vessel services were increasing, and then you had that big Spec Swan event again 
that's a little bit how it feels like with the labor negotiations, obviously not as much of a black swan, but still I think the impact of that would be global immediately. And, and we will sort of definitely look into no improvement or, or only marginal improvement potentially until the end of the year. Whereas at this point where we are, in terms of the, the levels of congestion, they're not comparable at all. Um, I think the supply chain is kind of uh, really benefiting from so a lot of diversions from the West Coast. I mean, the West Coast has been as uncongested as, as I've seen it in two years or one and a half mm-hmm. years. You have you know, obviously the China lockdowns that you mentioned that you know, have also had, had an impact on, on less exports. So should there be no sort of significant disruption, I think on the West Coast, we were looking into sort of more more normalizing of, of supply chains globally with you know, no more equipment shortages and so on. Uh, everything getting a little bit more back to normal. You can already see that the, the shipment delays from China into the US are at their lowest, lowest level than uh, compared you know, the last 12 months. Rates are at the lowest levels as well. So it's really more or less dependent, I think, uh, barring a big hurricane or a big typhoon sort of disrupting or a cyber attack, obviously. But I think right now from this, if you ask me today, H2 is definitely looking good, especially since all of, a lot of the imports that you just mentioned, the merchandises, the holiday sort of products, they're already, most of them are already in. I've seen sort of reports of Christmas trees already making it to hmm. on the West Coast because everyone's kind of anticipating and so shipping early this year. And so a lot of that those those exports that are maybe coming typically in around August September, they're already in the port. So um, there are a lot of positive signs to to sort of supply chains norm, normalizing. Mirko Wojcik, Global Director of Intelligence Solutions for EverStream Analytics. Thanks so much for joining us and sharing your insights. Thanks. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on global supply chain issues, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Happy birthday, Mom.